Here, Nooner with Dooner. Welcome. Welcome to the last week of uh, What the Truck this year. We end on Friday with a very What the Truck Christmas. We got a show on Wednesday. I believe it's our domestic supply chain summit. Of course, we've got today. Got an awesome show to get to. But before I get into what we're going to get into today, there is a missing truck driver out there. And I want to shine some attention on this because it's been over two weeks now. Can you show that missing flyer? Yeah. Thank you. Um, A truck driver vanished in Iowa last month, leaving behind a wallet, a phone, and a trailer full of pigs. He's still unaccounted for. KCRG reports that a truck driver in Wallach, Iowa, is still missing more than two weeks after investigators found his semi-truck abandoned in the middle of the road. David Schultz, he's 53. He was carrying a load of pigs to a hog buying station in Sac City when he vanished. However, the Sac County Sheriff's Office says he never made it to that location. His wife, Sarah Schultz, she reported him missing on November 21st. The office released key information in this case this weekend saying Schultz hasn't legally gone through any U.S. border crossings or seen if he just, you know, fled the country. They haven't seen that yet. His family is looking for answers and asking anyone who has any information to come forward. You can see the poster right there. For the last two weeks, officials and dozens of volunteers have searched more than 100,000 acres looking for this gentleman. Here's a picture of him with his boys. Let's reunite them. Let's bring them back home together. There we go. It's holiday season. Get them together. We get a young kid on here today. Warms my heart. All right, chart of the week. Tender lead times. Moving on from that. And you saw that flyer. Please help out if you can. Retailers and manufacturers are, take a look at this chart. Retailers and manufacturers are giving trucking companies a 15% longer lead time to confirm freight pickup. This is Zach Strickland's chart of the week. And he says, tender lead times, the time between the initial request for truckload capacity and the requested pickup date has remained 10 to 15% above pre-pandemic norms throughout 2023. This has been one transportation management trend that has stuck and not regressed since the end of the shipping boom. It is also a trend that benefits both the shipper and the carrier. National lead times average about 2.6 days in 2019, which is the shortest amount of time in the past five years. So far in 2023, the OTLT has averaged just under three days. Zach says this could be a byproduct of shippers' own internal processes changing. Inventory management has been a primary focus for the past few years. Shippers may have improved their planning and warehouse management practices, leading to better visibility on when they ship. So hopefully this one sticks. Unlike inflation, hopefully that goes down. That's not good. Speaking of, one of our guests today, he filmed an awesome hype video. He's going to be showing off this game. I already met them earlier when they came by the studio. He gave me a copy of Supply Chain Bingo. It says, thank you, Mr. Dooner. Max Schuchart, co-founder of Supply Chain Bingo. Let's see what his hype video has to say. Hey, it's Max from Supply Chain Bingo. Me and my dad are going to Mr. Dooner's podcast called What the Truck, live in Chattanooga from Freight Alley on December 11th. If you want to see Supply Chain, the lens of a 12-year-old, I'm your guy, 100%. Always. And we might be talking about Supply Chain Management for Dummies, written by Mr. Stanton, but he also goes by Mr. Supply Chain. I mean, that's a pretty cool name, for real. And he might have written about Supply Chain Mingo. Love it. That is so awesome. My kids and I were going on a road trip we do it every year we go up to the northeast to go see family after the show shuts down this year it's uh, a very well-struck christmas is on friday so we will be able to try these out on the road i'm gonna make my boys uh play this game with me 
put down the switch for a little while. It'll be a good time. On today's episode of What the Truck, though, I'm talking to Trans Forces Kelly McGurk about its mission to get Mattel to make a trucking Barbie. Father and son team, Max and Zach Short, they show, they show off their latest freight game, Supply Chain Bingo. Max is 12 years old, and Zach works for Optimal Dynamics. They've teamed up to teach young kids the importance of supply chain and killing time. We're on road trips, we've got traveler Scott Cornell. He breaks down the latest trends in cargo theft. Reliance partners Tom Albrecht. He looks ahead to 2023 and shares when he thinks volumes and capacity will hit equilibrium. J.J. Keller's Kathy Close is here for the latest report on DOT drug testing trends, plus dangerous bridges, side impact testing, and the Grinch gets strap work. So let's get into it. We got Kelly McGurk here, VP of Revenue and Marketing over at Transforce. Kelly, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. You know, I saw your press release. Uh, the Transforce team sent me the press release, and I saw the trucking Barbie thing, and some would argue that this has been the year of Barbie. Barbie's had a lot of professions, a lot of different jobs, but we've never seen her inside of a truck, have we? No, never. She's held over 200 professional careers. Um, she was a physician when women only made up 5% of that workforce. She was an Air Force pilot. In fact, that was one of my first Barbies as my aunt was in the Air Force. Um, but yeah, she's never stepped inside the wonderful world of trucking. Interesting. And you know, women make up 14% of our workforce. It gets even lower when you actually get behind the wheel, though. It's like 14% in supply chain, but behind the wheel, it's maybe seven or eight percent. So this would be a nice, uh, a nice way to get girls interested in the profession. Why has Transforce taken up this this charge? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was the year of Barbie. The movie came out and it really shed Barbie in this new light and ways that we hadn't maybe thought of her in the past. I think Mattel has really taken an initiative to make Barbie a more representative uh, woman for, for all girls to aspire to. And with that in mind and preparing for the Women in Trucking event and noting this 14% of women in our workforce, which has actually doubled in the last four years, yeah. we've just thought it's time for, for Barbie to be a truck driver, maybe a dispatcher, maybe a diesel mechanic. A lot of opportunities in this industry for women, and we don't do enough to promote that um, starting at an early age. You know, there are a few guys who sort of, they poo-pooed or like, why do we need a Barbie in trucking? But I'm not doing it for them. We're doing it for the ladies out there. Here is a TikToker. I want to play this video for you because I think it'll make you happy. She is super excited. Play the tape. Let me just say, if you go back on my videos, like months ago when the Barbie movie came out, okay, I made a video, several videos, and I even messaged Mattel and Barbie to make this happen. Like, I'm so, I really hope I'm so happy. I had gone through the list, okay, the list of all of the jobs Barbie has done. She has never been a truck driver. And I mean, I would love Barbie to be a truck driver because hello, we're out here. I just gotta say, I'm so pumped and I hope it happens because I've been talking about this for- This is why, right? This is, this is, this is why you want this to happen. Um, does that make you happy seeing it's already inspiring some of the women out there, especially the ones behind the wheel who finally feel represented, maybe seen? Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's all about. And, you know, there's a lot of men out there driving truck too. They have daughters, they have nieces, they have family members too, who might be interested in this. And yeah, that's fantastic to see. I'm really energized by it, and I hope we can make this happen. Well, I asked AI to make me what it thinks that Barbie should look like in a truck. What do you think? How do you think it did? Do you think that's a pretty good look for her? 
I think it looks great. I'd like to see more facets of representation in there, um, cultural, racial, et cetera. But yes, I think it looks fantastic. So how are you going to accomplish this? I know that you started a petition. Yeah, so we launched the petition. We're going to continue. It's um, transforce.com forward slash Barbie. And we really started kicking that off at the Women in Trucking event last month. Um, and then we've just launched the PR on this. So we're working with partners like FreightWaves, um, like Fleet Owner to get the word out and increase these signatures. And then we plan to go to Mattel with our petition, with our stance um, about the importance of women in this industry and the importance of this role in the American economy. And hopefully we're going to see some a truck driver Barbie get made. Have those uh, big wig toy makers over at Mattel responded at all yet? We haven't submitted anything. Hopefully they're going to catch wind of this through shows like yours. Well, I'd love to see I'd love to see it happen. What can we do to help to make this a reality? Yes, and all of the signatures that we can gather for this petition are going to definitely help us. So the website to go and sign uh, the petition, it's transforce.com forward slash Barbie. And you can just add your information and you'll have signed the petition and we'll be filing it early next year. So the more signatures we can get before the end of the year, maybe next year at Christmas time, you could be taking home a Barbie truck driver. Now, you girl dads out there, especially you girl dads in supply chain, you make yeah. sure you go over and you fill out that form. They have about they have 668 now. It says 667 here. I added mine. They may have had more since then, but go to this. They only need 300 and some odd more. That's not that many of you. So please make this a reality. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for coming on the show. And hopefully maybe by next year, all the girl dads in supply chain will have the perfect gift to put under the Christmas tree. Thank you, Dinner. Thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, I show you guys this craziness. We're in Phoenix, Arizona, and the homeless thing is so weird out here. These guys took over a 53 foot trailer and somehow they're living wow. in it. Not only that, but they even have signs that say, slow down, my dog. They might as well say, drive like your kids live here. And it's not even just that one, this one over here. It's the same thing. I'll come up to it sometimes, and there'll be people in a ladder. And it's just crazy. I don't know. Phoenix, man. You know, Mike Schuler. he says the city just shut down a huge homeless encampment. Maybe it's driven them into the back of 53-foot containers. I mean, fortunately, it's wintertime over in, uh, where was it, Phoenix? Fortunately, it's wintertime over there. You wouldn't want to be in a trailer in May. I don't know if you ever unloaded one of those things, but they get pretty disgusting inside. Anyways, we get Scott Cornell now, transformation lead, crime and theft specialist over at Travelers. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. How you been? It's 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 been a minute. It's it's been a minute. I haven't I haven't seen anyone in trailers in Chattanooga yet, but I mean, I don't know. The way the economy's going, you never know. You never know, Scott. Never know. You never know. I I know one thing. I need to get that uh kid with the trucking bingo to do a hype video for me oh well he's he's here in studio he's gonna be on a little bit supply chain bingo looks awesome and i hope nobody steals it from me or steals it when it's freight and you're here today to talk to us about right. some of those then those trends has has it been getting worse yeah the industry uh, right now indicates so cargo net you know we talk about cargo net numbers uh, most of the time when you and i get together and CargoNet hasn't reported as uh, cargo theft being at a 10-year high right now. Ooh. Personally, you know, the data only goes so far back, right? I've been I've been doing this longer than most of the new data sets have been around. So 
personally, I think it's at an all-time high. The industry's really never seen this type of activity before. Interesting. So, what, what are we, what are we, what are we doing about it? What's the industry doing about it? Well, you know, let's talk about the contributing. Yeah, let's talk about that first. So, so, you know, certainly the economy has some impact on it. You mentioned inflation earlier. You know, when there's higher value on certain goods, the cargo thieves are certainly going to target that. I think the economy sometimes gets a little overstated as to, you know, having a bigger contribution to the increase in theft than really exists. It's more so, I think, the economy dictates what gets stolen and why it gets stolen. Um, but but there's impact there for sure. But it's really the ease of use. So the ability for the bad guys to actually use all the systems that the supply chain has put in place to make itself more effective and efficient makes it easier for the thieves to steal the cargo. So, you know, basically using the Internet, load boards, uh, email, all these types of things so they can steal things virtually. So when we look at, you know, third quarter so far this year, according to CargoNet, it's up over 700 percent. Uh, over third quarter last year. And that's third quarter last year was a big increase already. So 700% over third quarter last year is a big deal. And the ability to steal this stuff virtually, basically, you know, sitting anywhere, they can steal and target cargo that's moving anywhere uh, because most of that increase is in strategic theft. And strategic theft is when they use the trickery to actually get you to give them the freight. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. We had a uh, strategic theft versus straight theft. We talked about that during the summertime. Is that what this represents right here? Yeah, the biggest increases right now are in strategic theft. And so if we talk about, you know, the three main ways that we've always uh, identified strategic theft, the first one is identity theft. And that's basically they pretend to be a legitimate carrier. They, they steal the identity of a legitimate trucking company. They pretend to be that trucking company. They bid on a load. They're assigned the load. They disappear with that. The second most common is double brokering. And double brokering starts with identity theft of a trucking company. So they'll pretend to be that trucking company. They get the load brokered to them. Then they turn around and pretend to be a freight broker. They rebroker the load to a legitimate trucking company. That trucking company has no idea that they're being contacted by, you know, an organized cargo theft ring. They just think they're being contacted by a freight broker. And then they'll have that trucking company go out and pick up the load for them. And the third most common method is fictitious pickup. And fictitious pickup is where everything's actually been done right. The freight brokers hired the, a legitimate trucking company to pick up the load. They vetted that carrier, and the carrier is supposed to pick up the load at, you know, 1 o'clock on Friday. But the bad guys show up at 11 o'clock on Friday, pretend to be that legitimate carrier, pick up the load, disappear. Legitimate carrier shows up, you know, at the scheduled time, freight's already gone. Those are the three most common methods that we're seeing right now. Devious. Okay, so what is what are they targeting? What is on the thieves' Christmas list? What are they what are they stealing right now? Food and beverage has been the leading commodity so far in 2023, and I always say, you know, if you can say cargo theft normalizes, when cargo theft normalizes, food and beverage will usually float to the top as the as the number one category. But going into the fourth quarter, we're going to see electronics targeted, uh, you know, tablets, gaming consoles, things like that for sure, and. And then there, you have to think about the subcategories within food and beverage. Alcohol is usually number one, and then energy drinks right after that. And then it kind of breaks up frozen meats and seafoods after that, things like that. Interesting. All right. That does not sound good at all. So we know how cargo is being stolen. We know what's being stolen. Can you give us an idea of the hotspots, though? What is being targeted right now? Where's the areas that uh, we should try to avoid or at least be extra secure in? 
Most of the hotspots are pretty familiar to us, the ones that you and I usually talk about. California leads the nation, always has, even though they have the most law enforcement dedicated to it. Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, Illinois. Um, recently, Arizona has entered the top 10 on cargo theft. And a lot of that is because loads are being followed out of California. Drivers are stopping in Arizona due to lower fuel prices. So we're seeing some of those loads get uh, followed over. But again, when we go back to the ease of use, when they can basically steal freight virtually, that means they can now sit anywhere and steal freight anywhere. So we are seeing a spreading of cargo theft to different parts of the country that maybe traditionally weren't involved. Now a cargo thief that's using the internet to, to steal freight doesn't have to be in a port area or in that Southern California area. They can target a load that's coming out of Wyoming uh, just by doing it virtually. And, you know, we're seeing bigger international involvement in some of these organized rings, and that creates a bigger market, and they can also operate internationally. So now, again, using that virtual nature of strategic theft, they don't even have to be in the United States to target freight. Wow. That's a lot to think about for truckers and brokers. What kind of hope can you offer them to protect themselves from this uh, crime wave? Well, we always talk about prevention first. I think prevention is the key. You want to keep the horse in the barn before it gets out and you're chasing it, right? So keep, keep, make sure you know who you're doing business with. We teach our clients to use a three-step process, you know, good process and procedures, uh, then hard locking devices, then the use of technology. Layer that. Make sure that you're, you're working with people that you know. Verify any business that you're, that you're working with. Make sure that they are who they say they are. And then have a plan in place. If you have a theft, you have to have a plan in place. Uh, recently, we formed a partnership, uh, a vendor alliance that we call it with Trucker Path. And in there, we're, creating, we're working to create a feature that will allow some of our clients to gather all the pertinent information that you need in the event of a theft, have it ready within that feature so that if you, you walk out of the truck stop or, or your load is stolen and you need to call us and you know we have our uh, special investigations group that responds and, and recovers stolen freight, you can actually use that feature within the app to send all that information instantaneously, which allows for a better response and a more informed response. So that feature within Trucker Path we think is going to be useful to our clients. But in general, whether you're a client of ours or, or you're on your own or you're, you're, you're a client of somebody else's, you have to have a plan in place. Who's going to pick up the phone for you at 2.30 in the morning on a Friday and begin working on a recovery on your behalf. You have to have those resources. Obviously, you're going to call law enforcement first all the time. But after that, you have to have some resources and you have to have a plan. Yeah, it's got a little bit of awareness and a little bit of education goes a long way towards making that plan. Those truckers, those brokers who feel they need some extra security, they want to talk to an expert over at Travelers. Where do I send them to? Uh, Travelers.com slash transportation. Very, very. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on What the Truck. Uh, probably last time I'll see you this year. So happy new year, happy holidays, and I'll see you next year. Happy holidays. I'll see you next year. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. All right, everybody. Elsewhere. Which of these cars is the safest in a side impact with a semi-truck? BMW M5. Probably not. Correct. Annihilated. Toyota Land Cruiser. Land Cruiser didn't do so bad. I think you might still be fine in that one. Ford Raptor. Eh, depends on where it hits this one. 
If you did something on the bed, he could go flying. Yeah, that's what I thought. Not walking away from that Mercedes-Benz EQS. He got tossed. He got tossed. But he might be okay. I mean, it looks like those spins really took Mazda some of the inertia RX7. away. Ooh. I mean. Take a look at that side. Uh, I don't know. Your head might have got crushed for you, that driver. That might not have worked out too well for you. Kathy Close, Transformation Safety Editor at J.J. Keller. Hey, Kathy, excited for the holidays? Yes, I am. So uh, hopefully you have got your shopping done and, you know, you're beating the crowds yourself. Well, yeah, most of it. I Most of it online, fortunately. Don't really have to hit the stores. Although I did go recently and it was kind of barren in there. So I think everyone else is doing the same thing. Most of them are, are buying so. online. Yeah. Well, is this, your been, yeah. Winds, is this your winds down? I know one of the things you've been tracking is DOT, drug and alcohol. Um, what's going on with DOT, drug and alcohol? What are you learning in 2023? Yeah, what I've seen in this past year is there's still a lot of confusion over the drug and alcohol clearinghouse. It has to be one of our top questions, and the questions aren't narrowed to one particular category within there. It's, it's the whole topic in general. It's very broad. Um, in 2022, when they were auditing carriers, the clearinghouse violations, even though they're not acute or critical violations, were showing up as in the top, I think, top five. Um Usually they were cited for not doing their pre-employment queries or the annual queries or, or failing to register for the clearinghouse entirely. Um, I, I've been telling customers, make sure you're assigning the role of the clearinghouse query request. You don't want to miss those. As you can see, they're checking for them during audits. Uh, make sure you're, um, you know, the person responsible knows when to request those queries. Get your reminders out there. I, I use the word tickler filer, but filer file reminders, but I think they call them reminders now because it's all tech, um, electronic now. So I'm an old school particular file. Um, register and purchase the query bundles, you know, if you need to get that all taken care of. If you have to outsource the clearinghouse tasks with a CTPA, if you're too busy, I know it's just one of many hats that a, a, a safety manager or operations person has to do or HR person for that matter. Interesting. Well, what other drug and alcohol areas do we see carriers struggling with in this past year? Okay, you're probably going to nod your head in agreement. That whole marijuana in the workplace. Yeah. Um, more states are legalizing medical and recreational marijuana. And now there's CBD oil. There's food that's infused. Um, yeah, THC is showing up in a lot of DOT drug panels. And the clearinghouse stats do reflect this. And then um, there's always that confusion that, you know, drivers and managers are having on what legally can a driver do if a state permits it? Well, black and white, both CDL and non-CDL CMV drivers are prohibited from using anything with THC in, that's marijuana, CBD oil, infused foods. Um, how do you counter it? Well, make sure your drivers are trained, make sure they know and you're stressing marijuana, CBD oils, not permitted. Um, do refresher training. You're not required, but hey, it's a good best practice. And then when you distribute those educational materials when you first hire someone, maybe point out, yeah, maybe you're new to the industry. You cannot use anything with THC. Make sure your managers and support staff also know this. Um, reasonable suspicion training. Make sure that, you know, the, the individuals realize that this is a no-go as well and, and have backup supervisors to cover all shifts. Cause if it's, especially if you're in states that make 
allow for the purchase of, you know, marijuana legally, make sure you have coverage to send those drivers for tests. Now, um, make sure you, you know, you catch those violations, you know, don't, don't fail to do your random test or, or sending someone for a pre-employment test. So um, make sure that, that they're, they're sent for the test so you can catch those drivers who are either habitually using marijuana or recreationally because you don't want that to show up on a post-accident test. You know, you you brought up some great points too about about that yeah, because yeah. a lot of dry you don't have to just go to a dispensary these days. There's there's a lot of just legal oils. You got like the CBD oils that'll pop a test. Delta eight will pop a test. High THCA in like illegal areas will pop a test. There's all these different and a lot of them are sold right at the counter stop at a gas station. Yeah. So might not know they could be yeah. thinking maybe they're vaping nicotine. You're not. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Um, what what confusion I find is the non-CDL CMV drivers. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, the CDL drivers, they can't can't use marijuana or CBD oil. But if you're operating a vehicle over 10,000 pounds, a 10,001 pounds grade up to graders up to 26,000 pounds, you can't use it either. But there's no testing mechanism. So what that you know might lead you to do is create a non-DOT testing program. I really recommend bringing your HR team if you want to go this route, because there's a lot of state drug testing laws that you need to be aware of. Um, you don't want to inadvertently violate an employment law because you're trying to keep your fleet safe. What other best practices can those fleets use right now to make sure their drivers aren't uh, getting nailed on these tests? Yeah, what's important is, you know, stay out of trouble in 2024 is look at what you did in your program in 2023. Do a self audit, um, you know, Find, you know, if you have a problem area, find out the root causes. Well, maybe you didn't have any violations that you are aware of in, in um, you know, 2023. It's still good to review, um, you know, your, your program uh, for efficiencies. You know, um, look at your random testing cycles, for example, and how are you breaking apart the year? You know, a shorter cycle, like monthly, less time to notify the drivers. How does your um, operations work? Is that something that's feasible? Should you go to a longer testing cycle, like a quarterly? There's more names selected, but you have more time to do the testing. Um, are you testing more often for like seasonal spikes or, or drops? You know? So you have a more accurate driver um, list when they, if they ever audit you. Um, are you working with a CTPA? You know, or, or how's that working out for you? Do you need to change providers? Maybe you know, audit them, see how they're how they're managing your program. Um, are they consistently making mistakes? That's what I get questions on. You know, are we responsible? Yeah, the motor carrier is going to be the one finer cited in the event of an audit, not the CTPA. So you know, um, you know, make sure they know their stuff. Um, also, CTPAs, do you need to use one to help with the administration of your program? You know, uh, if you're one driver operation, well, you have to be in a consortium. That's in the regs. Other smaller fleets, you know, it might be benefit to use one um, so your drivers aren't selected all the time. It's, it reduces your odds if you're put in with all the other carriers. Um, who are you assigning the role and responsibility of managing your program? Is it the right person? Who's your DER? Is it the right person? Right person for the role? Are they too busy? Do they have an understanding? Is it time to change some of the roles and responsibilities? And always review that drug and alcohol policy because, you know, maybe your point of contact changed. You know, there's turnover rates high in, in safety management too. So if somebody is supposed to have been the person your drivers go to and they're no longer with the company, you need to let your drivers know. You know, um, also if you've changed your policy for termination, for example, make sure that your drivers know. Um, 
and optional provisions and saliva uh, te drug testing. Are you going to do that next year when the labs come into play? All those things need to be addressed and communicated and, and all the processes put in place. And, um, you know, you might have a cold team working on it. It might just be you. So. Let, let me ask no, you about that. The, the, let me ask you about the oral stuff, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of drivers out there who mm -hmm. say due to the nature of marijuana, where it stays in your system for 30 days or longer that, you know, unlike many other drugs, a lot of drivers say, hey, you know, I had an edible three weeks ago. And then, you know, I took a whiz quiz three weeks later and I still failed the thing, but I would never operate under the influence. I was never on drugs or, or whatever it may be. Um, any hope for oral? Is that going to be working next year? Well, the thing is, I checked the, the Health and Human Services lab list, which is published every the first week of every month. Nothing in December, again, the carriers are left hanging. Um, you need two labs to be certified to process a um, testing kit because of the due process. Say your driver fails a test, they have the split specimen, it has to be sent to a separate objective lab. There has to be at least two labs on the list. There's not even one. So um, I'm watching every month. I'm they had said early, either late 2023, well, that's done, or early 2024. So I'm hoping by the end of first quarter, but um, the whole certification process for labs takes quite a while. It's almost like an ISO certification in a way. They have to jump through a lot of hoops to be approved by Health and Human Services to process the specimens. Yeah. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for your insights into what's going on with the DOT drug testing. People who want more information, where do I send them to? I'll go to jjkeller.com, and we do have a resource center uh, page on our website all about drug and alcohol testing. If uh, articles break, it'll be posted out there, no, any new news, especially with the oral fluid, it'll be posted on jjkeller.com. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Have a happy new year, and we'll catch up with you in 2024. Thank you. Take care. All right, everybody, let's see what's going on over in Chicago. You see this? This happens a lot here. Trucks get stuck under bridges he shouldn't have gone under lake stop stop driving street this happens a lot here i've heard a lot of truck drivers they hate oh no look at that he's <laughs> peeling it they hate coming to chicago because of this he has completely destroyed that truck completely he needs to stop because that's the train that goes above he needs to just wait until somebody comes and helps him get out of there. There is a little group of people that work doing this. But this is what I'm afraid of in Chicago the most. Going under a bridge and one of these semi-trucks getting stuck. And I have seen this ever since I moved to Chicago very often. I, I mean, if not hundreds of times, even more. All right, let's drop her. I receive rainwater says, never be afraid to stop and get out and do a visual check. It may seem stressful to stop traffic and even have to back it up to turn around, but this seems way more stressful tearing the roof off. Rob Coppinger says, the first and only overhead clearance strike I had was in Chicago. I've hated going there ever since. And Michael Fitzgerald says, as a safety guy, I investigated more top trailer accidents in Chicagoland than anywhere else in the USA. Many are railroad bridges and the railroads have hired lookouts who work near the low bridges and record companies on retainer to handle all the crashes. The lookouts call the record company when the bridge strikes happen. The record companies take it from there, arriving at the scene within minutes, coordinating with law enforcement and doing a really good job of clearing the roadway quickly. We can hope so, especially if you're stuck behind that truck. All right, let's heck up with Tom Albrecht, CFO and CRO at Reliance Partners. What's up, Tom? 
Well, you know, still working off the uh, Thanksgiving food, and I need to get it worked off before we get into Christmas season. You know, do we, like, I'm from Boston. We have Stero Drive over there, which claims a lot of trucks. I know Chicago has a lot of bridges that claim trucks. We have anything like that here in Chattanooga? I hope not. I just was watching that video that you shared there. (laughs) I've heard of stories like that quite a bit, but to see that uh, on video was pretty eye-opening. Tom, a lot of lot of companies struggling right now. A lot of truck drivers. They all want to know when the market is going to get better. When might capacity begin to approach supply and demand equilibrium? Well, we've been studying this a lot, and obviously, there's a little bit of guesstimating going, even as we try to apply facts with cycle knowledge. But you know, our sense is that maybe the first signs of encouragement might be around uh, May, June of 2024. And I want to be clear that that doesn't necessarily mean that the market's going to you know, flip a switch and go crazy or anything like that. That's not what I'm suggesting. But we might start to get a sense that, you know what, it feels like the worst is in the rearview mirror, that things are beginning to stabilize a little bit. We base that commentary upon the fact that um, you know, we track the number of drivers uh, in the marketplace uh, that have insurance, and we've seen that come down. Uh, about 700,000 drivers, uh, and that's not just the traditional BLS numbers that come out monthly. Um, It includes all sorts of motor carriers, but that's about an 18% correction since the peak in May of 2022. Obviously, freight doesn't feel good, so that means that there still needs to be more contraction. But if we apply kind of the run rate of what we've been seeing from an exit perspective, you could start to see the first green shoots a little bit in March, uh, but our kind of conservative guess is right around May or June, uh, a sense that the market is finally getting at least reasonably close to equilibrium. Interesting. So th- this is a, there's a bunch of different markets, a bunch of different sectors that play into this. One of the big storylines was uh, bloated inventories. Although I was looking yep. at those, those lead times, it seems like some areas are at least getting right size. What does that look like right now? What are we looking at in inventories and, and stock? Well, inventories, it depends on the types of businesses that you're looking at. So general merchandise retailers, which would be Walmart, Costco, a little bit of Target, Uh, maybe a little less so Target just because they don't have as much grocery, but even they've seen great improvements. So call it the general merchandise. Uh, Some of the specialty retailers still a little bit bloated, but they have made progress. So that's going to be your sporting goods companies, electronics, apparel companies, things like that. Uh, Industrial uh, has uh, ticked up some. uh, So there's still some work to be done there. Building materials is uh, quite bloated right now. So it all depends upon what you're talking about, but general merchandise is so important because that's a lot of re, uh, replenishment freight where folks, um, you know, they're, they're going to be buying those items, if not monthly, then maybe weekly, a steady state of freight. So they're probably in the best shape right now. You know, there's a reason our economists on staff here always looks at housing starts. Housing plays a yeah. big part. We have to fill those houses with big, bulky furniture. It takes up a lot of space on trucks, takes a lot of space on ships. High interest rates, though, they've hurt the market, although maybe not so much in Chattanooga. My neighborhood, I know, like houses barely go on sale, so it stayed pretty protected from what's going on there. But what's your outlook for the housing market? Well, I, we, we've been pretty negative, first of all, at Reliance. I think you know this uh, Dooner, we've been negative probably since the end of 21, early 22. Uh, and we were negative on housing uh, 
alongside that. Housing is going to continue to go through a correction, but I think it may begin to be more positive in the second half of next year. So, for example, there's two components to housing. Existing home sales, which have been negative for 28 consecutive months, the latest month being down about 15% year over year. By the time we get into June of next year, that will have been 35 months, basically three years. I think that, you know, and when you look at the correction from a peak of about 6.5 million units sold down to a little under 4 million, that correction is similar to what we saw in the what I call the GFC, the great financial crisis, the housing crisis. So the percentage correction is similar. We're probably going to see existing home sales around 3.7 to 3.8 million in 2024, but growth on a year over year basis in the second half of the year, um, we bottomed out at about 4 million units in uh, 2008 or nine, I forget the exact year, but um, so we're, we're going to reach bottom in the next few months may not represent uh, electric growth, but there will be growth, I believe, in the second half of next year. Also, the psychology of higher interest rates, people are used to that now for at least a year. That doesn't mean that they're going to rush out and buy. But what's interesting is the last two months on the new housing block, so you have existing home sales and then you have new housing starts, the last two months have been a a bit of a positive surprise in the monthly data. We've seen median home prices after falling for five consecutive months. They now have risen four straight months again. It highlights there's just not enough supply. So starts will probably rebound as well in the second half of next year. So there's going to be more freight coming out of the housing sector, I believe, in the second half of next year. It'll be one of the first sectors to begin to turn positive. What's your read on the health of the consumer in general? I know a lot of people are afraid to look at their credit card bills, especially with the holiday coming up. It's getting expensive. Well, I think the consumer does have some issues. Uh, I don't want to say that the consumer's falling off a cliff. I think that would be too broad of a stroke. Um, But there are some Uh, points of concern. So for example, on auto loans in the third quarter on a year over year basis, the delinquency rate was up about 25% on mortgage loans, about 41% and on uh, credit cards, about 57%. Now, none of those numbers, the actual delinquency rates underneath those year over year growth figures are not at necessarily ominous levels, but A lot of times when a trend starts, it starts from a healthy level. So I think we have to watch that. Savings rates are down. The job market is respectable, but it's no longer robust. So I think the consumer, in terms, the consumer will probably focus a little bit more next year on getting the household balance sheet in order again. So there won't be a whole lot of help on the demand side, probably until 2025. But, you know, with, with freight likely to begin to grow in some sectors in the second half of next year, the consumer getting his or her household back in order, I think 2025 could shape up to be a very uh, interesting year again for trucking. Yeah, well, the economists have come up with a new term. They had revenge spending during the pandemic. And now since they can't you know, understand why the consumer is still buying stuff, yeah. even though a lot of it's buy now, pay later, they've called it doom spending. It's the same thing. We're just Americans. We're set up to buy stuff. We just buy things here. And if we can't afford them, we'll buy now, pay later. That's just this country. Yeah. And, and you know, credit card 
debt levels have gone up too, but that always needs to be assessed against uh, disposable income. Again, it's not at an ominous level, but again, when you see delinquency rates go up, uh, that tells you that some people are struggling and I think it will continue to rise a little bit. So the correction, or excuse me, the recovery will start more on the supply side that we'll continue to see. I think it's going to be a brutal winter, uh, Dooner, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, but again, my best guesstimate is around May or June, some of the first signs of encouragement, um, so-called green sprouts within the freight world. And, uh, you know, in music, there's a crescendo. It starts low and kind of quiet uh, and then gradually gains momentum and volume. I think that's kind of what the second half of 2024 is going to look like. It's going to be a crescendo that by the end of next year, it's going to be clear that, um, that, that the market is in a much better place. Well, I hope but, so. I hope so, Tom. Yeah, but contrast, yeah, but contrast what I'm saying about next year with this year. This year was down all year for the most part. What we're talking about is some sort of spring stabilization uh, and then, um, you know, an interesting second half that will create a, a fascinating run rate for motor carriers to talk to their customers about. We, we hope so. Check out Reliance Partners. Check out Tom. Before I let you go, Tom, what Christmas movie has to play in the Albrecht household during this season? Oh, A Christmas Story, for sure. Oh, of course. I got to have my Red Rider, uh, Red Rider BB gun. That show just cracks me up. Yeah, I was watching the, the Grinch. The, the, I love The Grinch. I, liked, I even like the new one, the, the Illumination one. It's, it's, it's really good. My kids are really <laughs> into it, so that always helps when you have good company to watch it with. But, Tom, thank you so much. Everyone go check out Reliance Partners. Everyone go check out Tom. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. I'll catch you in the new year. Same to you, Dooner. Take care. Merry Christmas. Take it easy. Speaking of The Grinch, rate the strap work. Volume? Play? Why isn't it moving? Mr. Grinch, you really are a We're watching the, uh, the Grinch get pulled around in a shark cage that he's strapped to during uh, some parade. Mr. Grinch, what do you guys, what do you guys think of that? Really are <laughs> cool. You're as cuddly as a cactus. Good stuff. All right, you can drop it. Let's learn about the best gift that you can put under your Christmas tree this year. It is Supply Chain Bingo. We got the gentleman who made it. And before you even start, I got a quick video from you talking about this. Hi, I'm Max. Welcome to Supply Chain Bingo. Me and my dad built and designed this game because I want to learn more about trucks and what he does for a living. On the front end, it shows you all the different kinds of trucks on the pictures. And then on the back, it shows you all the kinds of different trucks in the pictures, but what they do. I hope you have a safe and happy road trip with Supply Chain Bingo. I am so excited because my kids and I, you may have heard me talking, we're going on our big road trip up to the Northeast. Yeah. We do it every year. It's uh, about 16 hours of driving. We split it between two days. And, you know, the switch gets boring. The books get boring after a while. So, you know, you're doing the Lord's work over here. Thank you. <laughs> Introduce yourself, young man. I'm Max Shuhart, and I'm the co-founder of Supply Chain Bingo. Co-founder of Supply Chain. And you, sir, where do you finish this equation? Yeah, I'm just Max's dad. Uh, <laughs> so he's the star of the show. Gosh, he was, a, he was a young kid in that video. And look at him all grown up now. Young, so when was that video filmed? That was uh, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. So th how long is it? Like, when did the development start on this game? It was that two years ago? Yeah, it was about two years ago when... Yeah, just come 
Well, uh, we would always be on the highway and go to, the, to my grandparents. And whenever I looked out the window, the like big trucks would st- stand out to me. And I'd ask my dad, like, hey, what's that truck? And he'd be like, intermodal, removable gooseneck drive-in. I'd be like, oh. And then I eventually like liked it a lot. And when I got the hang of it, then my dad would ask me, what kind of trucks were they? So I answered him. And then my mom had a really good idea of, since both of y'all know about a lot about supply chain, maybe I should make it a game about it. And me and my dad thought about it, and we said, why not a bingo game? So we did, and first we went through the artist, and yeah. we sit, we made through everything look good, and we were on Zoom calls like every night. And then once that was all good, we went to manufacturing and see how that on the Zoom calls. But I actually saw the manufacturer's son, and that was pretty cool, so we talked a bit. Oh, nice. Was he, like, also an entrepreneur like yourself? How old was he? Um, He was about my age. Okay, cool. My son is nine, so he has about a year to catch up to you when you were 10 starting this. So who came up, like, was a, is this much different than the prototype? If you guys notice on here, there's these little, like, red shields you can slide. And uh, I meant, like, how does it work? How do I have bingo on here? Well, so it's, like, it's either vertically, diagonally, or horizontally. And all you do, if you, you first get on the free space... Sure. And then you'll like if you see a drive-in, you'll just click that by, and there's like different ways you can play. You can maybe try to get two, yeah, two bingos, or you could maybe if you want to have fun, you can get the whole thing. But it's pretty. There's some kind of trucks that are hard to find a lot. I've done it before, and it's like isotainer is hard to find, and or is it dry bulk tanker is hard to find, and crane truck. The um the little sliders are brilliant because if you know on car trips, you know with a lot of like portable games, there's like portable battleship, you have all the stupid pieces that fall everywhere. And it can be a big challenge as a parent because next thing you know, you vacuum out the car and there's like, you know, little bit game pieces. But this is all self-contained. Yep. Very, very cool. Self-contained and also not a screen, to your point earlier. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's great to get the kids off the screen and kind of looking out the window. But uh, actually, the little slide things were harder than you would think to, de- to have developed. Really? So was that on the prototype or did that come along the way in manufacturing? Yeah. So um, one of the things we found was, you know, we, th- we we learned very quickly that we were able to custom design it. Yeah. So custom design means we have to go, you know, they basically have to build a, you know, a die set to actually cut the exact size that we want because we thought that, you know, there were bingo games out there, but they were small. So it was going to be very difficult to have all of the content that we wanted on there um, show up. So, so yeah. So, I mean, all of this is custom design. We had to work with uh, our, our manufacturers in Shenzhen, and uh, so this, that was so cool to actually have Max interact with them. And we were actually going back and forth on sizes and what it was going to look like and what we could do and what we couldn't do. Um, so he, he really got a crash course into actually, you know, product development and, and how you actually prototype something. So you're like a constant, you're an IOR now, you're an importer of, of record. What did you, what surprised you about building a game? Was this a lot more work than you initially thought it would be? Yeah, it was a lot more work, but... Eventually, it was really fun at the end. I mean, it was really cool just talking with the artist and see how it was going to go and see how it was going to work out. And it was it looked good at the end. How does distribution work in this space? Like, how do you get this places so people can buy it? Are you self-selling it, like, off a website? Are you in any stores? Well, we sell it off a website, and it's called SupplyChainBingo.com. SupplyChainBingo.com. Everyone oh, go yeah. and get your kids one to put Supply Chain Bingo Game. Mm-hmm. SupplyChainBingoGame.com. Everyone get your kids one to put under the tree or, you know, kids at heart. Yeah. Um, so they, they go on the website. How, how, so it's two years now. How, how have sales been doing? They've been going good. We sold about 500. Oh, not bad. Yeah, pretty not good. Not bad. 
And it's mostly you're like, are you the marketing team? Are you like the, 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 the brain of this? Are you the CEO? Oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm the CEO. Okay. And so you have to listen to him. Have you thought of firing your dad yet? Like, what is the hardest part about working with your dad? Oh, um, there's no really hard parts. It's okay. really fun. It is fun. I don't know. I argue with my kids once in a while, even when we're making Legos. So sometimes things come up. <laughs> what have you learned from working with your son while, while developing this product? Oh, it's, it's so much fun. Um, I mean, we'll, I mean, just, just learning how to develop a product in general is, is pretty exciting. But actually to have to take a step back and explain what what everything means through the lens of a 12-year-old or at the time a 10-year-old, um, it's challenging. I mean, you have to really explain things in a very thorough but easily digestible manner. You can't just say, well, yeah, it's gonna, you know, we're going to ship it via LCL and get it, it's, it's going to show up at our house. So you have to really explain what actually happens. But, uh, but I think it was really cool to understand what my dad does for a living. Yeah. Yeah, like finally learn, like, okay, this is what he actually does at work, and it's tangible, and it makes sense. And once I love that you started the truck, because once you start thinking about the, the store, then the truck, mm-hmm. you can go backwards, and you can go, okay, and then this comes on a ship, and someone clears it through customs, and there's all these partners overseas, and supply, and this is every product. This, uh-huh. Like, you learn this, but this applies to everything that you see. Yeah, well, like, all, everything on the shelves, like, the toys, the food, everything on the shelves, that goes through supply chain. And thank you to all those truckers that work out there. And work their butt off just to get all their food on the shelves so we can get them and, you know, have a great life. Now, you wanted to also sort of in, empower kids who maybe at school were told they had a learning disability or maybe you have ADD or maybe you have dyslexia or maybe you have something and, and, and people want to use it as a crutch. But you're saying, no, this is not something that should stop you. Tell us a little bit about your story with that. Yeah, so I have dyslexia and I go to Mount Perrin, which has a great program for me. And it's kind of hard for me to read But I have to read slower and do multiplication problems or equations differently. But it's not really a disability to me because it makes me work harder and push through and study harder and understand everything. And if you think about it, all the great people out there, like Albert Einstein, he became very successful. Yeah. You know, people worry too much about, and this is a lesson we all learn, but people worry so much about, life being fair or is this particular thing fair and like that doesn't really matter that doesn't get you through the day what gets you through the day is learning the skills to deal with whatever hand you're dealt whatever whatever you whatever needs you have and whatever strengths you need to accentuate yeah it's really just we learn differently that's it so what is that whatever have you have you seen kids play this in the car i'm sure obviously your family does what has some of the reaction been to your game oh dead yeah, I mean it's it, it's fun. We we haven't seen anybody going down the road playing it yeah. yet. Um, but we people send us pictures all the time um, of, of their kids playing it or them playing it. Uh, it's actually a good game for adults too. Uh, we've actually worked with some uh, some brokers that actually you know give these to new hires um, uh, just to to get introduced to some of the the, the terminology in the over the road space. And um, but yeah, it's it's very fulfilling. Um, you know, seeing people taking selfies with the game and sending pictures to Max. And every time he posts something on social media, um, you know, people are very supportive of him, which is awesome. No, it's awesome to see people being supportive. And you get to learn all sorts of stuff. Like you said, you sold 500 units. So you're probably not doing like full shipping container loads. You're probably doing some uh, less than container load shipping, which is always interesting. You get, then you get to learn about accessorials and, yeah. and how that, those add up and trucking. What's been your biggest takeaway from supply chain so far now that you're this two-year in it CEO? Yeah, well, it's really cool. It's been a great thing, and I've had really fun with it. What advice would you have to other kids who are like, 
I'm inspired. This kid got started when he was 10. What am I doing with my life? I could be working on a product. How do you get something like this off the ground? What was your method? Well, my method was, well, I told you, I looked out the truck and just, I don't know, but the big truck stood out to me and I kind of loved it a lot. And when I asked my dad, I just got focused and locked in and liked it a lot. So, Dad, what did you have to do to make this a reality? Where did you step in? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think you have to have a little bit of an entrepreneurial heart to start something like this. But, um, you know, it was actually uh, uh, my wife had the idea and we were on a road trip and um, Max has a sister named Molly and we were just all talking about it. And uh, my wife, Susie, said, you know, it'd be you know great for you guys to start a game. And I just, you know, really just started uh, uh, exploring the idea and really thought that, you know, hey, wh why not? Let's do it. How did you find like a factory, for example? That was challenging. So um, this was during COVID, right at the tail end of COVID. So it wasn't, and, and I, you know, I really had aspirations of maybe even taking Max over there to see the manufacturer and really, you know, get, immerse himself in it. Um, it. It is, and uh, uh, that wasn't going to happen. So uh, really, it was a it was an online endeavor. And I had, uh, in, in my past life, had actually lived in Asia for a little while, uh, trying to start my own company. So I had a little bit of experience with it. But that was hands-on, and I was there, and I was interacting with people. And I think we went through all of the emotional roller coasters that one would go through of trying to, you know, find a manufacturer that you've never met. Uh, they're overseas. There's a lot of, you know, there's a stigma about, uh, you know, sending money overseas and what are you yeah. going to get and how are you going to how are you going to even test the product. COVID, you know, provided a ton of challenges that we couldn't even put our hands on the product. We really had to take a leap of faith. Wire, wire funds, a significant amount of funds over there for, you know, a, a minimum order quantity of which we had to talk about all the time um, of what it was going to take to even have the manufacturer start these things. So the little, you know, investment that I thought it was going to be turned out to be a little bit more of an investment, but it's so worth it. The, the game is so much fun. And again, it just brings us a lot of joy to see other people. Playing. So how, how do you figure out like the financials on something like this? How do you figure out how to price it and where your margins need to be and, and how you make up for those like R&D costs that you had to do developing it that your dad was talking about? What's like, what's the business side of it? Yeah, well, I think, you know, this is more of a, uh, an investment in, in just good family time yeah. for right now. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, he, he's aware of a little bit of the costs and he's involved in inventory and shipping and packaging. Um, but really start to, starting to drive, you know, the margin of the product. We're, we're obviously making an investment in our time together as yeah. opposed to, of as opposed to building an empire. Right it's now. a class that you can't, yeah. you can't buy. A hundred percent. You can't go to school for that and make your own real world product and put this out there. And also like, it's great to have the support of your dad who understands the field, who can fill in some of these blanks. It's not just like two yeah. blind people yeah. leading the blind yeah, exactly. throughout there. You know, we started this show talking about there being a, making a Barbie for trucking, right? Transforce is working hard, get some girls interested, get them something to like. Daniel Stanton cares about the next generation yeah. of supply chain too. He wrote yeah. about you yep. in supply chain management for dummies. Yeah. So, uh, the partly why we made all these videos that you saw, the hype media I just made, we made it to show people that what we made in things, and that actually turned out by Mr. Dan Mr. Stanton, and he also goes by Mr. Supply Chain. Yes. I think that's a pretty cool name. I think it is. So, um, <laughs> and he talks about us in page 347. I think it's, yes, 347, yeah. Yeah, and he talks about, like, kids learning about supply chain at an early age, and it's up for all ages, really. Yeah. What would your advice be to kids who want to get interested in supply chain or, or learn? Or do you find that a lot? Are there a lot of 12-year-olds who are they just like, I, well, okay, dude? But I think it's really cool because all the things out there, like 
come from supply chain, like through the uh, like the planes or the trucks or the boats, like everything comes from there. And without supply chain, really, we would have nothing on the shelf. So I think that's really cool to understand how it gets there. Yeah, we get like, there's a lot of toys. You go to like, there's a store here, Learning Express, and they got like the UPS truck that comes with the UPS driver. They got, um, you know, some 53 foot containers, but there's nothing like that it informs a kid about what this stuff actually does. It's just a toy yeah. and it's their own imagination, but there's a whole bunch of education. And as you know, from ordering off like Amazon, right? You probably get excited when you hear that tracking notification yeah. is coming to your doorbox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I think adults too, right? I think adults, yeah, I you know, think really uh, <laughs> what it just, is. Take, just take it for granted that that just hey, milk's going to be on the shelf, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think if we all take a step back, it's it's pretty fragile. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, you know the you know the the critical things that we need. The, the further out things are being made, and the further out we're relying on things. I mean, we just had a, a, just a small microcosm of of the challenges of ordering things from the other side of the world, right? And it's not mission critical, but there were challenges for us. But if you if you kind of um, Escalate that into a more mission critical item, a healthcare item. It's uh, it, it's staggering, you know how how what it, what it takes to get those products on shelves. Now, are you going to expand the gaming empire? Have you thought of new gaming ideas that you could introduce or evolve the yeah. game to bring it to another level? Well, we've been thinking, and like, if there's like a new truck that's going to be like really cool and like is how do I like popular, we might put it on there. Yeah, and there's a whole host of other uh, yeah. surface transportation equipment types that we're going to be putting on there too yeah. that you'll learn about. Um, but yeah, this is the USA Transportation yeah. Edition uh, version one. There'll be a version two and there's a whole host of other um, uh, equipment types. So we'll probably be doing a poll uh, yeah. for folks to for folks to opine on what um, what equipment types we should have on there. Potentially we might go over to Europe and, and look at the equipment types on surface transportation in Europe uh, to, 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 to launch a game there. But uh, yeah, sky's the limit for Max. Yeah. EV, Tesla Semi, you could put, you could put on here autonomous someday autonomous yeah. someday yeah i've been inside yeah. one of those yeah what truck is your favorite to spot on the road i'm gonna go the drive-in because Ooh. everything can be on there yeah do you have a favorite logo that's on the side of the truck because that's the game a lot of people play right they're like all right find the the yellow trucks r.i.p or, or find the convoy trailers r.i.p what do, you, what do you look for out there i just look for like type yeah the type like in the middle of it where the where's the the truck and the like the box I'd like to end with twin it, and if there's like, like a machine, that means it's temp control, and if there's not, there's it's driving. But like, you can look in the um, like the box and see if it's like an intermodal one that has all the waves to it. Nice. Well, so what are you? I, I, my kids have given me their Christmas list. What are you looking for for Christmas this year? I'm gonna go with PS5. Oh, I got one of those. They're good. <laughs> they're, they're fun. What, what what game are you looking forward to playing on that? Um, Madden, Madden, Madden 24. Sure, sure. Spider-Man 2 is pretty good. Yeah, and just like racing games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Call of Duty, maybe a little bit too. You got to be a little bit older for that one. I'm yeah, you, sure. be, you can tell mom and dad have been holding out as long as we could. You've been holding out. <laughs> Do you have a Switch? Yes, sir. Okay, is, have you played Super Mario Wonder yet? Is that any good? I haven't tried that yet. Okay, the kids have been asking for that one. So what are your, before I let you guys go, what are, what are your holiday plans? You're obviously playing supply chain bingo in the car. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're we're very fortunate. Um, uh, both of his grandparents uh, live relatively close. My parents are in North Carolina, and and uh, 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 my wife's parents are in, in Marietta, where we live. Uh, but yeah, uh, supply chain bingo will definitely be uh, be on the road. I'll probably uh, be catching up on Daniel's book, um, uh, just educating myself on different areas of the supply chain as well. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're staying local. Um, actually, so you know, Max is an Alabama fan, and we're oh. very very fortunate to head out to the Rose Bowl. 
Oh. Uh, on January 1st. It's so. going to be a good one. It's a little tired. Wow, yeah. go dad. Yeah. January 1st. That's a, that's already a great Christmas gift yeah. right there. Well, guys, where do people go to find this to make sure it's under the tree? Put one of these under the tree for your kids. Make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's supplychainbingo.com. Um, you order two or more, it's free shipping. Um, and we have plenty in stock. So we, uh, we'd love to love to see this under the table or in the stocking for, for folks. Well, guys, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Thank Happy you. holidays. It was amazing to meet you. Thank you for my version of this game. I, I'll tell you how it goes with my kids. We'll follow up. And hopefully we'll follow up again with you guys in the new year. And we'll if, find some, out. if somebody steals it, we got an extra for you. If somebody steals it, don't steal. We were talking about cargo theft on this one. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Jr. You can find the show at FW at the truck. You can find all 663 episodes of this on our YouTube channel, Freightways YouTube channel, Supply Chain Big. Game. Thank you to all of our wonderful guests today. We'll see you Wednesday. Take care. Don't be a stranger.